Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and on today's show, we're going to be discussing holiday cheese and entertaining, and one holiday cheese in particular, uh, Rush Creek Reserve from Uplands Creamery. Our first guest is Andy Hatch, who is the cheesemaker at Uplands Creamery. Uh, Andy, are you with us? Uh, I am, Ann. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, of course. Happy to, always. And actually, I'm like thinking uh, uh, just technicality. Do you guys say Uplands Creamery or do you say Uplands Cheese Company? We say Uplands Cheese and we call uh, the building I'm sitting in the creamery. <laughs> All right. So, so I'll, I'll give you 10 points. Yeah. <laughs> we got a little bit of both. Not not yeah. the entire package, but... <laughs> um, so Rush Creek Reserve has just uh, has just come back on the scene, and everyone's really excited about it. I feel like for me that always signals, you know, the opening of the holiday season and the and the crazy time in the cheese business. Yeah, same for us. Leaves turning, and wood smoke, and Rush Creek. And Rush Creek. So, tell us about this year's batch. Um, when uh, when was this cheese made? Um, how long? How many weeks did you guys make it this year? Um, it's pretty limited, right? Yeah, it is pretty limited. And, you know, as a farm that uses just its own milk to make cheese, that's our limitation to begin with. We only have a certain amount of milk. And um, we made it for about eight weeks this year, just finished. And uh, so the cheeses that are uh, on shelves now and in restaurants were made two months ago. It's aged for um, 60 days before we sell it. And then the cheeses we made uh, near the end of the run in uh, mid and late October will be out uh, for Christmas and New Year's, and then that's the end of it. I love it. Short and sweet. You got to get it yeah. while it's get it while it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's a really. I mean, Rush Creek is 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 a delicious cheese, and it's a really nice cheese to have around at this time of the year because it's a really beautiful cheese to bring with you to any sort of you know event. It's a they they range. They're a little bit. I would say between a half pound and a pound, and you know with that beautiful bark girdle. Um, what type of bark are you guys using? It's uh, from a variety of uh, French spruce tree called Epicia, begins with an E. And you know uh, we've actually visited the Jura together. I remember that. I was going to say if you visited the Jura, uh, you know you'll see. Uh, it's all logging and dairy farming. And so this is these big uh, spruce trees that are logged in, in that part of eastern France. And this is actually the cambium layer between the, the bark and the heartwood. So back in the day, they used to peel it off with a, a draw knife. Uh, and um, 
now I think it's a you know a little bit more recognized. But uh, they're cut into strips, dried. They they arrive here looking like lasagna noodles, <laughs> <laughs> and we boil them and uh, wrap them on the cheese day after the the cheese is made. And so it's there to contribute flavor, but also by the time the cheese is ripe, it's so uh, soft and gooey. The bark is sort of necessary to sort of hold its shape. Keep it all together. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And it imparts such a wonderful flavor. Um, what kind of what what kind of flavor notes do you think that the, the cheese picks up from the bark? Um, there's a sweetness. You know, if you think about kind of pine sap or, you know, uh, if you've ever licked a pine tree, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the sweetness, but also a smoky quality. I think, you know, as the resin works its way into the cheese, um, and so, the, yeah, the combination of that with um, some of the meaty flavors, I think we get through uh, washing the rind, and then um, you know some of the kind of herbal mushroomy flavors uh, from the uh, the molds. It can, uh, it's a yeah, it can be a heady potion. <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful mix. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, not for the faint of heart, but it's also not an overpowering cheese. It's a very well balanced and you know, just rich, uh, rich and hearty cheese. Um, so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the aging process? Uh, what, what, so you wrap it, um, in the bark and then how often is it washed and, uh, and sort of how do you take care of it as it ages? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, a tricky cheese to age, um, for 60 days, which, you know, is obviously the federal minimum for a raw milk cheese. So typically in France, um, which is a, where I learned to make Montdor, the, the cheese is sold at 25 to 30 days. Mm. Um, and the first 25 to 30 days uh, is easy. You know, a cheese with this much moisture wants to ripen uh, quickly. You know, if ripening cheese is kind of like controlling um, rot. Mm. You know, anything that's wetter is going to rot faster. And so these high-moisture cheeses are off to the races. And so the, the, the front end of it, uh, for us, the first few weeks involves washing it and, you know, it, it'll grow sort of yeasty layers and then um, some bee linens and, and corinniforms. And then uh, then the second half is the challenge because if, if you kept washing it, I mean, it, it goes the direction of a poisse or something that is just going to be overrun by bee linen. Um, and, you know, that kind of cheese has an, an audience, obviously, but we... Um, sort of put the brakes on, on some of the yeast and bee linen by growing uh, the, the white molds on top of it. Mm. And uh, so then the challenge on that back end is to balance sort of two styles of ripening, you know, a, a washed rind in its early days and, and a mold-ripened cheese in its latter half of its life. And so, uh, you know, those two styles of cheese generally are, are treated pretty differently and require different environments, um, so making that that transition um, is tricky. And do you guys have different? Uh, um, it's funny. Just a couple shows ago, we had uh, a show about affinage, and we spoke with Sue Sturman, who's doing the Academy Opus Caseus, mm. uh, um, this, uh, teaching people the art of affinage. Um, and it's just interesting to think. Yeah. So do you have to kind of um, bring the cheese into different environments at different stages of its life to um, to kind of achieve that goal? Right. Yes. It. 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 You know. It, it has to graduate from uh, <laughs> one room to the next. Okay. And, uh, and so we have uh, 
separate sets of uh, people that you know for two months they handle the cheese in those two different rooms every single day and um, you know you've got to make that transition at just at the right moment and so you get pretty in tune to the the details how does it smell how does it uh, how soft is it you know how uh, how wet is it how dry is it and um, so you've got to make that decision at the right moment to to move it and then uh, you've got to monitor it at the tail end there so you know at first and, and I think um, the guys at Jasper Hill would probably tell you the same thing with, with their Windermere. You know, your initial uh, reaction to the 60-day limit is that it's a, a handicap because it's a challenge, like I said, to get a, a cheese this, this wet out that long. Mm-hmm. But really, I think we're able to coax more flavor out of it, you know, with a longer aging period. Um that's an and interesting. So I, you know, I think the reward is there if if you've got the if you're crazy enough to try it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, how many years have you guys been making Rush Creek now? Or and I guess how many years have you been making it? And how many years has it been out on the market? Yeah, two different <laughs> two different issues. Two thousand nine, I, I goofed around with it um, and uh, you know fed it all to the pigs. In two thousand ten. Uh, we started selling it. I think I made four thousand of them and uh, fed a thousand of the pigs. But it was on the, it was on the market that year. And then uh, uh, 2011, we bought uh, some equipment to sort of do it properly. Mm-hmm. And so um, the way we're making it now, we've this is the, the third season. But um, y- you know, the, the feedback loop on a aged cheese like Pleasant Ridge is so long. You've got to wait ten months to figure out if, if what you did was, you know, a little change you made was, uh, you know, got the right result or not. And Rush Creek, you know, ripens faster, but by the time we sell the first batch, we're done making the last batch. So, right. you know, improvements ha- happen over year to year, not necessarily, you know, batch to batch. You go through a season, learn from it, you know, and approach the new season maybe a little differently. So three years is, n- is not a long time. It's uh, We're still getting better at it and i think we're pretty we're proud of the way this year's cheeses look so far and um i think they're the best yet i i think they're i think you're right i think they're absolutely delicious we we were lucky enough to uh (laughs) actually it's funny i think we got our first batch maybe two weeks ago um Mm. and uh when we when we tucked into it you know we we basically as soon as the box was off the ups truck we we cut it open um (laughs) and uh and it was you know it was just it was great it was great um so how so how do you recommend for people um to enjoy rush creek do you have a particular you know beer that you think just is like the best thing ever to have with it or um you know nice crusty bread or is there any particular way that you like to serve it yeah, well, I happen I eat a lot of it. <laughs> I yeah. you know, um I do all sorts of different things with it, but you know, I think what you said early in the program about sharing it is is great because it's a big piece of cheese to open, you know, with your girlfriend on Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> because it, it ought to be eaten in one sitting. So, bringing it to a dinner or, you know, holiday gatherings is is the way to do it because it you pull the, the the top rind off, and it looks so sexy. It, it should, you know, it's it's something people just want to um, tuck into. Um, so, th- you know, one key is is letting it warm up. Obviously, no matter what you're going to do with it, 
and you could either do that by letting it sit out at room temp for a few hours or mm-hmm. putting it in a you know a lukewarm oven for 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. Um, so if if we have our act together and get it out early enough, we usually just let it sit out. But if um, if we're if it's last minute, we'll we'll throw it in the oven and uh, let, if we just eat it off the table, yeah, usually um, bread crusts and uh, if it's beer. Um, yeah, porters this time of year. That's smokiness in the porter. Uh, and if it's kind of a porter that's a little chocolatey, the sweetness uh, with uh, with the kind of resin quality of the, the from the bark is really nice. It's making me yeah. hungry. I'm going to put my sister-in-law on the case. She, she's a beer, uh, a beer merchant. So uh, for okay. our uh, Thanksgiving, I'll have to have her pick the pick a porter. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you guys, uh, but we we cook with it actually a lot. We'll drizzle it on um, potatoes, or this time of year we're always uh, baking uh, roots, you know, potatoes, whatever, beets, onion. You pull that pan out of the oven, you know, you put a rush creek in the oven along with that pan of of, of baking roots for the last ten minutes. Pull it out, drizzle the rush creek on top. Oh it's my really goodness, nice. that sounds that sounds really decadent. <laughs> And so now, what is the next? Uh, so you've just finished making Rush Creek. So it's it's a funny thing, like you said. You know, we're all just getting to enjoy it for the first time, and now uh, you're washing your hands and and getting ready for the next thing. So what's uh, what's next on the farm for you uh, during these winter months? Go sleep, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, we actually last yesterday was the last batch, so we all goofed around a little bit today. We had to wrap Rush Creek, but. Um, yeah, the mood changes instantly. It feels like we you crest a big hill, and, and now it's downhill. Um, so holidays are busy sending cheese out, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I know how busy you are this time of year. And then uh, it's like, otherwise it's like the off-season for a sports season. You you, you rehab your injuries. You, you, know, <laughs> you, change, change you heal. Personnel. You train. Yeah, you, you uh, yeah, adjust your strategy. And uh, we're really lucky to, have that calendar here where you have time to step away and think about how you're doing things and um before you get back into it yeah absolutely right right. yeah i mean the running shop has got to be similar the daily um to-do list you know it makes it hard to uh get that perspective and so i I think it's a it's a great way to make cheese i think i mean look concentrate a little more during the season knowing that there's sort of that light at the end of the tunnel Exactly. Well, and yeah, having, like you said, being able to do that R&D in between um, means that you probably uh, are able to just focus on technical issues, on production styles uh, or, you know, production methods and equipment and things and gives you the headspace to, to, to think about trying to do things in a different way. Yeah, that's right, very cool. Right, right, Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Andy, for um, being on the show with us today. Um, everyone out there should look for Rush Creek. I think it's available all over the country at, at different uh, select retailers, right? That's right, yep. Um, on your website, is there a list of uh, different places where it's sold if people want to uh, want to check it out? Yes, there is a, an ever-evolving but always incomplete uh, map of retailers. Best thing to do if if you don't know of a shop near you is to send us a quick email and we'll sort you out. Fantastic. And if people want to email you, what's uh, what's the website and the best uh, best address? 
Yeah, uh, the website is just uplandscheese.com, and the email is contact at uplandscheese.com, and I'll see it. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks again, Andy. I know I'm going to enjoy my fair share of Rush Creek this year, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Ann. Thank you, and we'll be back on Cutting the Curd. Dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. And we are back on Cutting the Curd. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. You can tune in to this and a bunch of other great shows and great food news at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's show is all about holiday cheese, holiday entertaining. Uh, and so it is very apropos that on the second segment, we have with us Matt Rubiner, who is a cheesemonger and owner of Rubiner's Cheesemongers in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Thanks for being on the show, Matt. My pleasure. <laughs> so, well, congratulations. You guys were just named as one of the top 10 cheese shops in the country yes, by Food tenth, Republic. Awkwardly. Huh? Yeah. Tenth, awkwardly. <laughs> gonna do? I actually saw that on your Facebook page. <laughs> I loved it. The post said, tenth, what the dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. No, that's a very good thing indeed. Um, so, well, you've been, you know, you've been in this business for a long time. Um Forever. What does so? It's the holidays. We're all going to start to lose our minds. Um, yeah, but I lost mine. Yeah, I know, right? It's like all the planning. You you lose your mind like in August, and then you just kind of it continues that way through the end of the year. Um, but what are so what what? Let's talk about your shop first. What is, what's the okay. culture of your shop? Like the culture in your shop for the holidays? Um, do you have any? I don't know. Um, any special rituals, hazings, etc., to to gear cheesemongers up for the 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 melee that lays ahead? No, I try to instill in them the same sort of um, feeling of of utter panic and helplessness that uh, that I feel as we go into the holidays and that, uh, <laughs> get their blood flowing. <laughs> and uh, and then I catch a cold, and then we all catch a cold. That's generally yeah. I yeah. Um, it always happens like the day after. You know, I finish whatever last crazy thing I have to do, and then I just totally get sick. Yeah, pretty much every year. Uh, but then we festoon the place in, you know, Magnolia, and this year I'm told by my wife uh, that there'll be tinsel involved, which is, uh, you know, nothing we've ventured into before. And I love and tinsel. Stories, I think uh, that's a good call. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've, I've never historically been a tinsel guy, but if my wife says it, uh, it's... Uh, come into fashion then uh, then i'll go with it <laughs> um and we've uh um, we've built giant piles of uh panettone in front of which we pray that they all sell by no later than christmas day 
because uh, over the years we've had to, um, you know, continuously mark them down as the year goes by. And <laughs> we had our, you know, Passover Panettone, which didn't go well, <laughs> Tisha B'Av, Martin Luther King Day, traditional Panettone. <laughs> it work. Any, any holiday, really. Panettone is the perfect, is the perfect <laughs> thing. Really Maybe you guys uh, could make, like, a massive, really expensive bread pudding on January 1st. Everyone's going to need to soak it up, do. you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Get get all the get, get it's perfect hangover cure giant panettone bread pudding. Uh, but we you know we 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 uh, um, we roast chestnuts on a little uh, what do you call those like a little smoky like a little Weber grill in front of the store and that and we never actually successfully sell any of them but it creates a nice aroma to the neighborhood. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, um, and then you know we gear up for the crowds because it's you know we're up in this resort place, a couple hours north of the city, as you know, and and you know our customers are largely say your customers who've gone away for the uh, for Christmas, and they're up here for you know no other reason than to you know sit around with the family and friends they've invited to their you know usually summer home now Christmas home and and. Uh, and uh, have parties and, you know, do traditional Christmas things and then and then rapidly grow weary of their family and friends so they, you know, bring them into the store to shop all day, which is, which is good. And bring them to Ruby's in the back for, for right. coffees in the morning and, and other beverages and, in the and, evening. And endless egg sandwiches, which you enjoy. Oh, my God, yeah. I have to say, I just dream about it. Like, every so oh. often, I just... Um, yeah, it's a special place. It's, it's a dream that can so easily come true. I know, it's true. I just have to get in my car and, and put my kid <laughs> in the car seat and be like, listen, <laughs> pipe down back there. We're going to get an egg sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do you have any favorite uh, crazy holiday stories, like um, any particularly mad moments, either with customers who are you know blowing their gasket or um, cheese shipment that's shown up all wrong or anything like that? Uh, let's see. Nothing great. You know, our customers blow their gaskets all year round. So it's, not really <laughs> <a holi> <laughs> it's not really a holiday thing, per se. Um, we've, uh, um, we've uh, you know, last year we, a couple years ago, we, you know, the staff was locking the door and we were, and, and I said, no, no, you know, keep it open. There's always somebody who's going to come in and buy a panettone after us. Somebody forgot a <laughs> gift. And then, and then this group of, of, of clear, obvious Russians, you know, as I, with big fur caps and things, um, came in and, uh, um, and I couldn't understand what they were saying other than the, that their conversation was peppered with the word panettone over and over again. I'm like, all right, you know, this, Maybe they'll spend some money, and then, and then in the in the staff's like, oh come on, can't we shut down? And then they they came up and they said, we have a friend who uh, shops here. We'd like to buy him something and pay for it uh, in advance. And we're like, you know, sure. Um, he's like, you know, a thousand dollars, okay. So the uh, that was our lesson to keep the doors open as long as possible. Um, that's pretty you know, nice. You know, yeah, that's really nice when the when Russians come in and drop a drop a, a grand on you know panettone, etc. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of panettone. That was, that was a holiday dream come true. That's a lot of yeah, panettone. Trying to think of uh, that's a lot of panettone. I remember the one year uh, <laughs> this may have affected you, or maybe not, but uh, um, soon before the holidays, um, a ship carrying uh, much of our Christmas cheese was uh, collided with a another one like in the in the Baltic Sea or some damn thing, and so our Christmas cheeses didn't come till you know like the week after christmas which was you know tough wow, wow. oh on, on a geez. number of different levels you know. oh geez um 
Yeah, no, the customers are pretty well behaved, we find, around uh, around the holidays. You know, again, we're in this resort place, and they're they're here, you know, chilling out. So, so everyone's yeah. pretty happy. Well, I have Everyone to say, one of my favorite, this is not, a, this is just a, a story that's being retold, but one of my favorite holiday uh uh, cheese shop stories came from Neil's Yard Dairy. Um, apparently, one year they were, you know, and they were full out. You know, just the store was packed, line around the block, etc. You know, just really crazy. And in walks a person who is just certifiably insane. You know, just off the street, you got a crazy person. And uh, um, and everyone was kind of like, uh-oh, how are we going to deal with this guy? He's kind of ranting and raving. Is he going to do anything crazy? And Randolph Hodgson, who is the owner of Neil's Yard, just came out from behind the counter and gave this man a giant hug. He just embraced him in a giant bear hug and at the same time kind of guided him out the door. <laughs> I just thought that was so great. Cause what better yeah, I'm way not to... doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what are some of your favorite? Uh, so what what is in the shop besides panettone that you really want people to know about this holiday season? What what would be your favorite gifts to bring to to a party? Um, are we talking cheese gifts? Oh, cheese gifts or any other kind of tasty food gifts? Yeah, well, I mean, are we this year I went a little fig happy, which is weird for me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I just uh, I kept seeing these fig related items. Um, I'm not saying this is necessarily a, a great gift. It's a good gift, but I'm just trying to promote the the fact that I have way too many fig-related products for the holidays. <laughs> good for digestion. <laughs> we're, willing, we're willing to ship at low cost. Um, <laughs> um, you know, the usual array of stuff. Lots of lots of chocolates and you know things that uh, things that uh, we don't have the guts to sell the rest of the year because they're too fabulously and wildly expensive and and. Uh, this year we're we're uh, we've gone a little raclette happy as well. Oh, that's good. Well, we have a, a, a restaurant customer up here, Fish and Game in Hudson. It's just a fabulous. Oh yeah, Zach, Zach Palaccio. Palaccio. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, he's doing this thing where um, he's you know they have these two hearths in the restaurant, and he's um, he has this cast iron plate swinging in front of um, both of the hearths, one in the bar and one in the dining room, and he's doing raclette on these. So for for weeks I've been stocking up on raclette. So we have like a raclette bar here. I have seven or eight different kinds now, and more on the more on the road. So we're a little raclette and fig happy. Um, we've <laughs> gotten, uh, yeah, we've gotten you know we've most recent shipment from Neil's Yard, which is always very special um, for us. You know we get that year round, but uh, around Christmas we get the things that we can't afford to sell the the rest of the year, or things that you know the old Fords and the Wellesleys and the and the the mature Lancashires and things that we just never see, and um, that's very exciting for us. And a big shipment from I don't know. We tend to get very Italy around the holidays. I'm not sure why, but we got lots and lots of cheeses from Casamadio in southern Italy, and and the Italians uh, love Christmas. You know, Italians love their Christmas. Yeah, you know, and I enjoy a good Italian and their food. So um, <laughs> yeah, we tend to. Uh, yeah, lots of Italian stuff. And figs, lots of figs. Lots of figs. Stock up lots on your figs. figs. I'm going to bring my husband, yeah. Patrick, because he has it in his mind that um, that uh, figs are, you know, just what he needs for his fiber intake. So Really? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh-huh. figs are extremely high in fiber, so you can also market them as a health item for those. I will. Who, I am right now. Yes. Get your figs. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> well, let me ask you this. This is a personal question, but oh, are, yeah. are you more of a Thanksgiving guy or a Christmas Hanukkah kind of guy? Well, you know, um, I'm never really off as a Hanukkah guy. Um, you know, I'm old enough to remember when, you know, we got eight eight gifts, you know, one day and, you know, one, one gift a day for eight days. And they were never terribly interesting gifts. A <laughs> football, a pair of Dr. Dentons, and a <laughs> box of hats. And and, uh, um, and then I used to always order, uh, I used to try and try and try. And this is one of the early uh, antecedents of my, of my illustrious career in the, the cheese business that I used to beg my parents for food gift baskets from the Sears catalog when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously did. Oh, the irony. Uh, they, never gave them, they never gave them to me. That's amazing. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, they dissuaded me from the, uh, the nut rolls and, uh, and the summer sausage. Um, Growing but, up in the uh, Midwest, I fully appreciate all of those items. Yeah. Yes, and I grew up in the Midwest too, as you might know. Oh, Where'd I didn't you know that. I forgot Where'd that. You grew up in the Midwest, north of Chicago, and like you know, John Hughes Land, where all those movies uh, happened. Yeah, right. I grew up in this in in Michigan. Ah, I knew you went oh, to University yeah. of Michigan. Yes, right. it's all I coming did. together. Well, yeah, that you know, yeah. Uh, you've uh, do your ho- so none of your holiday baskets include summer sausages or nut rolls. No, you know, I've tried to find a you know a higher end nut roll over the years, <laughs> um, and <laughs> but uh, but I, I think I've always you know Thanksgiving, um, and I'm not soliciting you know gifts or or well wishes, but Thanksgiving always falls around my birthday, so it's always been a very special uh, special time for me, and I do enjoy the weather, and I do enjoy the related football and. Uh, you know, the Michigan-Ohio State game is usually around this time. Oh, yeah. Food, and I even, I even bristle, you know, even to this day, bristle at anything but a very, very traditionally prepared Thanksgiving dinner. And um, So I'm a big Thanksgiving guy, but, but uh, um, you know, I, I married uh, um, out of the faith some time ago <laughs> and, uh, and was introduced to, to Christmas on a grander scale. Um, mm, yes. So you know, we we uh, we harvest a tree or whatever one does uh, one to a Christmas tree, and uh, um, we uh, you know decorate it. And we have my wife and I share stockings, which used to be you know sort of you know tums and toothpaste and things like that. And then uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's, that's morphed into fabulously expensive things that can't possibly fit into a. Uh, into a uh, into a stocking, but you know. Put your new. Put now your I'm new. a big Christmas guy. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah. Yep, I I have to. Yeah, yeah. Christmas is Christmas is pretty great. Well, yeah, like you yeah. said, the whole the whole shebang, Thanksgiving, Christmas. You know, yeah. it's the best time of the year, and it's especially the best time of the year if you're in the food biz because everyone yeah. is exhausted and yet having a great time. Right, and, and from a cash flow perspective as well. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it's a serious time. It helps when you're exhausted and having a great time and making money. <laughs> hand over fist, Matt Rubiner. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that hand over fist. <laughs> Just need the Russians to come back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, so Rubiner's, uh, you guys have a, have a great Facebook page, so I would recommend oh, everyone checking out Rubiner's oh, on please. Facebook, staying uh, keeping abreast of the latest developments and uh, the latest funny comments that are posted. Um, and is there anywhere else on the interweb you would like people to search for uh, for news of your of your shop? You have a great newsletter. People should definitely sign up for the newsletter. Um, do that. Do that. 
Um, no, I, I hesitate to send anybody to what, you know, passes as a website, which was just some, you know, tech guy who threw that up there and we sort of forgot about it for a while as we worked on our new one and it has all like the wrong information and hours and a and an absurd photograph of this <laughs> this weird staged picnic. <laughs> <laughs> this weird, you know, stage country picnic at uh, at Tanglewood, you know, where the symphony plays up here, and we we needed a uh, we needed some sort of musicians in the background, so we <laughs> grabbed uh, four seminary students who are well, not seminary, wherever conservatory students uh, who were walking by with their instruments, and we hastily assembled a, a quartet of uh, um, like three violins and tuba. <laughs> That's what appears on the website. That right? explains very a lot. Poppish. Yeah, so I was don't, looking don't, at the don't website. Yeah, don't necessarily go to www.roofers.com <laughs> just yet. You got to save that picture for posterity. It's great. I know. Oh, well, thank you so much, Matt, for being on the show and for enlightening <laughs> us as to the joys of figs and cheese at Christmas. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I do hope you'll you will join us on a future episode. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. And we'll be back next Very week. Good. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.